Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to yet again another episode of the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. Today, we have a special treat for you. This is Ryan Cabrera, and I am just introducing uh, an interview that we did on uh, during our Monday Night Bible Study with Eliezer Braun. Eliezer is uh, from the land of Israel. He is uh, an Orthodox Jew, and uh, he is married uh, to the wonderful artist Ellen Miller Braun, who does uh, this fantastic micro-calligraphy art. And so, um, we had him here at our congregation, and Pastor Nick and him uh, had an interview on stage, and uh, we grabbed the audio and wanted to make it available for you via the podcast uh, venue. And uh, if you guys uh, would like to listen, it's coming up right now with no further ado. And, and so, you know, this is what I want to do, though. I, this is Just tell the story about how you found us. How'd you find this? I don't know. Ragtag. I'm on, I'm on people here. jet lag. Because you had called Fumes. the office. God, I love your sense of humor. Good, because that's going to be what I it's going like to be all just about. Like totally Israel. <laughs> um, how did I find you? You know, it's funny. You had called the office, and 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 you you were telling me something about. I don't know exactly what it was, but you were talking to me about some really cool things. Well, this is like. Incredible, because, you know, I'm going to talk more about this on Shabbat, but, oh, by the way, hello, everyone. Um, yeah, okay, we've got to make the transition also from Hebrew to English, or as my kids like to speak when we're together, they speak Hebrewish. <laughs> or like Inghib. Spanglish. Spanglish. Well, no. yeah, anyhow. Um, every trip... I try to get to fill my Friday nights, Arab Shabbat and Shabbat morning, with Messianic congregations. So I call up lots of congregations, and it's like, okay, the first question is, well, do you believe this? Do you believe that? Do you? I mean, they send me through like an SAT. And, you know, if I don't agree with everything that they say, everything that they think, um, then, hey, well, we can't have you. And then I call up your pastor, and it's like, when are you coming? <laughs> and I'm like, Waiting. Okay, are you drunk or something? <laughs> no, no, that's Nadab and Abihu. <laughs> no, and it's I, not me. I, and I, I, did you have some Schlibovitz? I know. And, and I'm just like amazed because it's just so open. And other places that I, look at this specific trip, um, I'm not exaggerating. I actually counted between Florida Washington State and Oregon, I mean, I had to pick the furthest point on the other side of the United States to go from here, okay? And I'm like, I, it's a five and a half hour flight? Yeah, it feels like I'm flying from Israel to here. Oh, that's and right. I, between here, Washington State and Oregon, I'm not exaggerated, I counted, I was in contact, or other people on my behalf were in contact with 40 one Messianic Hebrew root congregations. You know how many I'm going to? Three. 
all the other, I'm completely packed with speaking engagements in Washington State and Oregon. They are all extensions of people that I have spoken to and contacts that I've made through Hayo Vale. And just a little reminder, just so you know, you know, Eliezer has been in the Christian church sharing and because of a, an organization called Shuva Israel. And so he's got over 25 years of experience. He retired from that organization, and now he's doing the things that he's doing. But I'm saying that he has 25 years of experience dealing with cereal, the fruits, the flakes, and the nuts. So I've enjoyed... <laughs> all the places he's been to and telling me these stories about the churches and the pastors. And, and I'm just like, I hope he doesn't have a story on me. And I'm like, people, just, I mean, get with the program. It's not about me. You know, we're just like all vessels that God is using to bring everyone closer to him, which involves Israel. An awful lot. That's the stepping stone right. for everyone to draw closer to God. And don't give me the credit. I'm just simply being used, as all the rest of us are, by God. But what I'm hoping, is, hey, you know, you've heard about this 3D printer thing? Yeah. Do you think that we can get the elements, the necessary ingredients to put you inside and produce <laughs> you? You know, I could get a lot done around here. Yeah. But uh, really, seriously, I, I, I come here and I really walk into the office, and I just feel like I own it. You people are so friendly. It's like, can't you just, you know, be rough, be tough, be Israeli. What are you doing here? <laughs> you know, uh, it's interesting because we're going to get into his testimony, which is very interesting. You know, I was reading, actually, a few books. Um, one of the books I did read was the, the gentleman who was the mayor in Shiloh. Uh, you know who he is, David, David Rubin. Rubin. But anyway, he's got an incredible testimony. And, I, and Hanak Young and different people, I've been reading their testimonies. And it's what, the reason why I'm sharing this with you is because the Jewish people are having experiences with God. And it's like they have this life that they're living, and then God comes in and just wrecks it and just does all this stuff. And they end up, you know, practicing their faith of Judaism. They end up going back to Israel. And so I'm, I'm, I'm seeing Eliezer's testimony now that I get to learn a little more about him, but I got to read David Rubens and Ock Young. But I'm just saying that, you know, here we all are in the States, but he actually started in Chicago. And I just got off the phone with my mother-in-law who was visiting uh, her husband that's up there doing a job. And uh, she met him in Joliet, but, but just not that far from Chicago. But she was just coming from Chicago. And it's funny how she, I think she's going to be trying to watch uh, the live streaming tonight. If she is. <laughs> Hi, Mom. And Chicago's a big city. Yeah, uh, well, I haven't lived there for, <laughs> since 1983. 1983, we've been in Israel for 35 glorious yet difficult years. Um, people have a very idealized version, vision of Israel. And Sometimes, and I actually was attached to the Israeli consulate. I worked for the Jewish agency between 1994-1998, and my job was to interview all prospective Olim immigrants to Israel. And I worked with the consulate. I was the one that put the stamp on their visa, uh, the visa stamp for new, being new immigrant uh, to Israel. And for me, it was very, my main purpose in doing that, my 
thinking of the English uh, Hebrew word, my tafkid, my purpose was to try to draw people, bridge between their idealized vision that they had of Israel, you know, where you come to the airport and everyone in Israel is so happy to see you. They're dancing Hava Nagila. And, oh, please, you could do anything. Here's your choose your choose. You've got a hundred possible jobs. Choose whatever you want. Um, that ideal, idealized vision of Israel and bringing them to the reality. Because the reality is, is those of us that live here, we've got to make a living. We have to find a job. We have to learn a new language. We have to find schools for our children. How are we going to get from this point to that point? And, you know, you think about it. I hear people, and I kind of, <laughs> I kind of laugh. People who move from one part of the country here in the United States to another part of the country, and they're describing how difficult it is. They're not used to it. People are different. It's a different culture. People express themselves differently. And I mean, my God, I'm seriously because you're still doing it, even if they speak funny, you're doing it in the same language, okay? And, and you, gotta, you have to learn an entire new language. Now, it's really true, and we were talking, I was talking to Linda about this yesterday. By the way, I've started calling a couple other people who came in earlier, Linda. And I do that with my wife, too, because I call everyone Ellen. And, I, and okay, you can't, Really, we were talking about this yesterday. Yes, especially the millennials in Israel and down because everything, internet, etc., is in English. Usually, speak good English. But if you really want the pulse of the country, it's Hebrew, and it's tough. It's rough. I mean, I the first three years, okay, the first three years that I was in Israel. I woke up basically every, every single day and I said, God, why did I do this? Please, you know, wake me up like Dorothy, okay? And take me out of Oz and bring me home. But something, you know, this I can share with you because something just gets inside the veins. And well, once know, it's in, forget it. You know, sh share with us a about the suburban Chicago. You know, there's a lot of challenges in Chicago right now and the homicide uh, rate and different things. How bad was it when you were growing up? Uh, when I was growing, look, at things are, and I, I, I mention this frequently, uh, the states, and of course this is no insult to anyone because I love this country. And... Um, carry two passports, but make, have no doubt, I'm an Israeli first, and an American. Um, well, I grew up in Skokie, um, which was, had a very large portion of its population were Holocaust survivors. Because Holocaust survivors, of course, they sought each other out because nobody can understand that experience other than other people that went through it. So I grew up in Skokie, which had a very large population of Holocaust survivors. And everywhere I would go, I would see, you know, the numbers impaled um, on, their, on their skin. And that was really the first identifying experience that I had that something was 
different about being Jewish. There was something to this. And I mean, I grew up in an apple pie, probably my, my father from the age of like three took me on a Friday night to Comiskey Park to uh, see the, the Sox games, and then usually during the week to, he would write me out excuses. Uh, uh, I'm not feeling good, I have to go to, uh, uh, Eliezer has to go to the doctor. And the doctor was Wrigley Field. <laughs> um, so now, uh, by the way, if any of you are from Chicago, originally anyone, there's gotta be every crowd. Okay, all right, we got one, okay. You know that in Chicago, you are not allowed. It is against the law to be both a Sox and a Cubs fan. You can't. You go, as soon as you get on the Dan Ryan, okay, you're a Sox fan. North of the Dan Ryan, you're a Cubs fan. And anything else, that's it. You're, 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 you're out of your element. But you know what? It, it, it's different in America now. When we were kids, my parents would never think twice we would get on our bicycle. You know those Schwinn bicycles with the fat fenders? I mean, today you can't even see the fenders. Fenders, they're like invisible. I don't know what the, the bicycles ride on. But, and remember those little stickers we used to get for passing safety? I love it. I can age people immediately. Um, but we would go anywhere, anywhere. And now, for heaven's sakes, go into a 7-Eleven and get a carton of milk and pictures of kidnapped kids. It's not the same here anymore. We had, I think, a much better childhood. And you know, from that perspective, I'm so happy we moved to Israel because I know that you hear a lot in the news and people are saying, well, is it safe to go there? Yeah, it's safe to go there because we know who our enemy is. And here in the States, it could just, it could appear behind any corner. I mean, you never know if you're safe anywhere, and you don't know who it's going to be. And it, it, I, I, think it's, I think it's frightful. But in, 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 in Israel, I mean, our kids were five or six years old. Oh, we're going to go to Kfar Saba with our friends. You're gonna go, how are you going to go there? We're taking the bus. What do you think? Okay, Israeli kids, they have chutzpah. Okay, we don't tell our kids what to do. They tell us what, what they're going to do. Um, but I grew up in an all-American home and uh, the most Jewish thing, a very assimilated home. And my mother's entire extended family were murdered in uh, Dachau. I'll talk about more of this on Shabbat. Were murdered in Dachau and in uh, Bergen-Belsen. By the way, I've been to all the camps. And my, uh, my wife's extended family were murdered in um, Auschwitz and in Belzec. Um, but I, I grew up American. There was really nothing about the importance of Israel. My father was very, my parents were very active in a reform synagogue. And we would go to synagogue on Friday night. And I would talk until the rabbi would say, shh. Um, and we would light the candles, go home, light the candles, eat a slice of bread, and then um, we, my, 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 my mother would prepare BLTNs. Bacon, lettuce, and tomato. Yes, 
pig was a big, it was a big thing by us. We, I mean, you know. They call it the other white meat. Right, the other one. Um, so we were very, very, marg I would call it marginally uh, And your dad Jewish. served in World War II. My father wow. uh, was supposed to go with his unit to the Battle of the Bulge. He came down with scarlet fever, which ultimately probably saved his life because his unit, I think 60, he told me 60 or 70% of his unit was wiped out in the Battle of the Bulge. So, um, but um, I, I didn't really take much of anything Jewishly seriously until really the morning of June 6th, 1967. And I was on the swimming team in high school. Um, I really, really liked your the Leviticus going over the Parsha. Yeah. Um, because I specifically think about that every time I see people that are just defiling the, the beautiful body that yeah. God has given with tattoos and piercings. I mean, the body is really, we, we're taught the body is a sanctuary that's true. by God, and that's why I have a lot of it. <laughs> I've, in, I've increased my sanctuary. I started a new saying, I'm full gospel, you're full Tanakh. <laughs> <laughs> But for, for me, the real, you know, I think we can all look back on our lives and we could say that there are some moments that we have in our lives that really changed us and set the path for the future. And for me, uh, driving on the morning of, uh, riding a bicycle on the morning of uh, my good old red Schwinn bicycle, um, on the morning, uh, riding that, I was a freshman in high school, riding that bicycle to, um, uh, to swim practice, Evanston Township High School in suburban Evanston, Illinois. And we carried with us, with my best friend, who is still my best friend today. You know they ask all those security questions when you're on the internet. Who's your best friend? Warren Levy, who I've known since I've been eight years old, still my best friend. Okay, maybe I haven't talked to him in a year. Still my, still my security questions. So, and I'm riding a bicycle, and we're carrying a transistor radio, which young people today, transistor radio? What is a transistor radio? So I'm like, forget it, okay? And all of a sudden, a emergency bulletin comes on that says war broke out in the Middle East between Israel and her Arab neighbors. You gotta picture this, because this is totally a God thing. I get off of my bicycle, and just like this, I raise my hands up to heaven and I say, God, if you protect my people, and Israel is victorious in war, I promise you that one day, my family and I will move to Israel. Wow. Oh boy. Now that's pretty powerful because if you had shown me on a globe, you had said, Eliezer, where is Israel? I would turn it around 5,000 times and tell you, I don't have the slightest idea. But, you know, God just put it on the heart. Hey, 
And this is what we believe. We believe that there is a spark in every single one of us. And when the time comes, God ignites that spark. And that's really what's so cool about being here, is it is completely illogical. What, what do you have with Israel? I, seriously, are you nuts? Where does it come from? It's because I, first of all, I, I, I believe you are part of Israel and you are scratching your way back. Amen. That's coming from you. That's By the way, this is you. going on all over the world. And now Israel, about two years ago, set up a committee. We were talking about this in the Knesset recognizing that there are so many people now within the church um, that have Jewish roots, and um, especially it's estimated that 10 to 15% of the population of Portugal, Spain, Argentina, Mexico, are what are referred to as anusim, okay? Lost Jews, Jews that were forced to convert to Catholicism, they're starting to come back. And maybe that's how we in Israel are going to resolve the so-called demographic problem. Because you're going to all come home and give us this tremendous boost of energy. You know, um, so, so basically your Jewish education was that kind of liberal, but you did go to synagogue and you had a bar mitzvah. I did go to synagogue. I had a bar mitzvah. And the funny thing is, bar mitzvah, there were about 35 young boys and girls that were in uh, our bat and bat mitzvah class. I was the only one who could not master the art of reading Hebrew. I had to have my bar mitzvah parsha transliterated into English. And now, God's humor. I'm a fluent Hebrew speaker. And I read and write perfectly, fluently in Hebrew. It, it, you know, God's got a great sense of humor. You too. Sure. Um, <laughs> so, so you're in, I mean, how many siblings are in your family? I have two, two sisters. You have two sisters. One in Milwaukee, one in San Diego. Are you the baby or the oldest? I'm sandwiched between two You're girls. the middle child. I knew that's what it was. He's the middle child. You can tell from my being so neurotic? Well, I don't know. It's like, it's like you know, you're not the firstborn, but you're not the youngest. So, you, you know, you got like a little pecking order going on there, you know? But, yeah. Sandwiched yeah. between two, <laughs> two women? I mean, you know. What? So, so you're in Chicago. And, and so did you meet your wife in Chicago? Uh, yes. We got to hear that story. We met in Chicago. That's the beginning, the middle, and the end of the story. <laughs> no. Um, we were actually part of a uh, Zionist youth movement. And um, when we met, I ran after her. She ran away from me. I mean, seriously, can you blame her? We love to laugh at ourselves. 
Um, and then finally she came back and, but from day one, it was, I am not dating you or getting involved with you, Eliezer, unless you make a promise, a pledge, you're gonna move to Israel. And at that time, I said yes, but here's the truth. Can I share with you, I was lying. Yeah. And this too will pass. I just, I mean, you know, any of you have met my wife, you'll know. Once you meet her, I become a complete and total afterthought. She's really precious. 41 years. Um, and, but one of the amazing things were, I, yeah, I was considering it. I was thinking about it. Uh, okay, so it's okay because I'm not sure whether I want to or not, so I'll say that I do because I want to marry her, but I'll kind of leave it up in the air. And this is also another true story, total another God moment. My, I promised Ellen we would make Aliyah, but we got married in 19, I don't know if I can count that far back, 1976, and this year went by, and that year went by, and that year went by, and one night, I'm just laying in bed, and I sat up, I'll never forget it, sat up with my back against the What's that thing called, a headboard? The headboard? And I said, okay, Ellen, let's go. She turned to me and she said, let's go. Where do you want to go? I mean, the movies, this, that, I don't know. And I said, it's time to move to Israel. And she looked at me and she said, you're not going to believe this. Just two seconds ago, I was saying to myself, I have to resolve myself to the fact we're not going. And at that very moment, I sat up on the backboard and I said, it's time we have to go. Yeah. And, and you had three children in your house at the time, correct? We had three. When we made Aliyah, um, we, uh son was five years old. So when you stood up in bed, there was you and your wife, and there was three kids in the house, too. We had one at that point, because when I did that, then we okay. set the specific date. Gotcha. We're going in three years. Gotcha. When we came, went to Israel, it was a five-year-old, two-year-old, six-months-old, and my wife had, how do you call it? What's machalat anishika, where you're tired all the time? Mano! Yes, Mano. And from day number one, it was disgusting. My wife was like the glove that fit perfectly. I call it the non-OJ glove. Fit perfectly on her hands. But not the Michael Jackson glove. Not the Michael Jackson glove, no. And I, but I was miserable for the first two and a half, three years. Absolutely miserable. And you but got through it. You got through it. Wow. It, it, it is absolutely amazing. Every immigrant that comes to Israel, what they have to deal with. I mean, it's literally like starting your life over again. 
It, 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 it really is. And it's in a completely different culture. Okay, in America, people generally, if they disagree with you, they'll smile, and people, I hope you won't be offended, are very, not really direct in America. They'll talk behind your back, and you'll find out what they said about you from other people. Well, in Israel, we just go straight for the, we just go, we just go straight for the joke. What are you talking about? You're crazy. You know, in Israel, we like to joke. That's me. That we have uh, now close to 9 million citizens. Yeah. We like to joke. We have 9 million prime ministers. <laughs> Even wow. the garbage collector knows how to do the prime minister's job better than the prime minister. But, I, yeah, I was, you know, I, religious school, I didn't really take it very seriously. Um, this is what I used to do. And I, I made a confession to my parents before they passed away. I said, you know what? I, I, and I was really a good kid, but not when it came to religious school. My father would drop me off at the front door. When the bell would ring to start religious school, I would go out the back door and I would go to a corner delicatessen where I would get a corned beef sandwich and a strawberry a chocolate milkshake okay you know there's a bit of a kosher problem there together with eating pig um, well, you know. and bacon I was mixing meat and milk okay and then what would happen I would time it perfectly I'd come back as soon as the bell ending at religious school rang boom into the building, through to the front door. You know, my father would pick me up. How, how was uh, Hebrew school? Oh, it was so great. What did you learn today? Oh, lots, but you know, I don't want to go into it. Wow. But wow. when I was in a confirmation class, I was like 14 years oldish. A rabbi, who, by the way, just passed away about six months ago at the age of 104. And his wife, two weeks later, after him, passed away at the age of 105. Had such tremendous, he was very, very good friends with a man by the name of Elie Wiesel. Ellie was out. Uh, how many? Coming as, night? Yeah, night, dawn. Uh, survived as a young boy my experience of being in Auschwitz. And he came and spoke to our confirmation class. And because he was very good friends with our rabbi, our rabbi was part of, maybe you heard, the kinder sport. Okay? And he was part of a group of young Jewish boys and girls that were taken out of Germany and sent, their lives were saved, they were sent uh, to England for the period of the Second World War. He came to America, then he went to Reform Rabbinical School. He was very good friends with Elie Wiesel. Elie Wiesel came to speak to our confirmation class. And it was another experience that really changed my life, listening to this man describe. Didn't he just pass away last year? He passed away about a year ago, yeah, a year and a half ago. Describe what it was like as a young man 
living through Auschwitz. And he was describing himself at an age which was the same age that I was at that particular time and had such a huge effect on me. And it really solidified my believing that it was important to identify with a Jew. And I said to myself, hey, look at the sacrifice that has been made over centuries by people. I am not gonna be part of a generation that breaks that chain that goes back all the way to Abraham. Not gonna happen by me. And that was also a big part of why I chose to come and live in Israel. Um, because all of our, our children have married Jews. They have all served in the Israeli armed forces. They're productive, they're giving to Israeli society, to economy, and to me, that is the ultimate expression, um, commitment to what I refer to, what is referred to as um, Jewish continuity. So when you made Aliyah and you had your wife and you and the three children, you had to make these adjustments and then you had a, a child that was actually born in Israel, yep. a daughter. She, she was born in Jerusalem, on Rosh Hashanah, in 1990. She, my wife's water broke as we were eating chicken soup. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and she was like, uh, we got a problem here, that's George. A, that's some good soup, you know what I mean? It, the best soup ever. <laughs> So, so now that you're in Israel and everything, because for the sake of time, um, you know, how did you get involved, of course, uh, in traveling and speaking to Christians around the world through Shiva Israel, whatever? How did this come about? I mean, this, this is a neat story. Well, it, it actually started in 1994 in stuff. when I was working with the Israeli consulate and interviewing um, and signing the visas for new immigrants. And the Israeli consulate had a speaker's bureau. And they put me on, and eh, we're going to get that American Jew over there. He, they put me on the speaker's bureau whenever a church, Christian group, called up the Israeli consulate in Los Angeles and said, we'd like to have a speaker come and talk to us about Israel. Eh, go get Eliezer Braun. So, and I was like, the first time I went to a church, I was like, why, why would Christians have any interest in Israel whatsoever? This is early and, 90s. This is after your daughter was born. 1994. Yep, our daughter, who is now married, has two children, and we built an attachment, uh, an additional unit to our house. So our two grandchildren wake up in the morning, and <laughs> I come downstairs. They're already in our refrigerator, fishing around. Um, yeah, what were we saying? Gosh, I'm on fumes. <laughs> no, it's uh, you know how this is the early 90s or 94, and now all of a sudden. You're going to be going to churches, and, and so what was the uh, message? What were you trying to, to, to convince the evangelicals? I'm, I, well, the first time I went, I'll never forget, it was a pretty large church north of San Diego, about six, 700 people, and I just, I remember I went up in front of the church. They had a big, huge cross there, and I was like, I literally, I froze, because you know what the cross represents to a Jew? And I turned to the pastor and I said, I have two things that I need to say 
number one, I don't know what to say to you. Honestly, I don't know what to say to you. And number two, I can't, I, I can't stand and speak in front of a cross because this is what it represents to us. The exact opposite, as I learned later on, the exact opposite of what it was intended to say. And, and he came up and he put his arm around me and he said, Eliezer, whatever you want, just speak your heart. That was my introduction to Christianese. What wow. is, how do you speak your heart? <laughs> so, no, he said, okay, I understand. Just whatever's on your mind, we thirst to know about Israel. And, and I was just completely taken aback. What interest would you have in Israel? Well, because we read the Bible. We read the prophecies. And we connect between what is written in the Bible and what is going on in Israel today. And once I made that connection, I was thrilled to go back and speak to Christians because they actually listen. <laughs> you know, I went, because while, while I was with the uh, uh, Israeli consulate, I went and I spoke to Hadassah women groups, I spoke, spoke in synagogues. It didn't matter if they agreed with everything I said. They found something to disagree with. Because that's our nature. We're argumentative. So, and, and once I made that connection, I was like, just like it was like addicted. Wait, I got to go connect with these people. Israel needs friends. We're bashed here. We're bashed there. We're bashed by the left. We're bashed by the right. For heaven's sakes, we apparently have this huge group reservoir of friends out there that love Israel because their connection to the Bible, which, of course, connects with exactly why we made Aliyah and why we moved to Israel. So, hey, man, we got some serious... You know, we got a, there's like an intersection there that we can meet and, 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 and come together with. And it, 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 to me, it was mind-boggling. And what did he do about the cross? This was hysterical. He said, okay, Eliezer, I want you to close your eyes. I closed my eyes, didn't know where he was going with that. He said, I'm going to count to three. And on the count of three, you can open your eyes. That cross isn't going to be there. Counted to three. I opened my eyes. It wasn't there. I mean, it was there. But it wasn't here. Interesting. Did you have a video that you wanted to show? About ten. We had a few videos, but what, what would you really like for them to get away from tonight? Um, I, I'll tell you. If my wife was in childcare, I could go over, but she's not. <laughs> I tell you, you know, I am like so hooked on what Hayovel was doing. And when I first started doing this like more than 20 years ago, um, there are things that are going on right now in terms of the relationships that are being built, the bridges that are being crossed, yes. that there's no way this could have happened. So people say, well, sometimes 
what is it? Why do you go to Christians like you asked? So you know what? Instead of explaining it, I want to show you the result of where things have, where things have moved since I started in this 1994. And, you know, you've got, I saw Hanoch and Ariel uh, a couple weeks ago, and you're going to love Hanoch. He's great. And a phenomenal tour guide. Not quite as good as our son, who's also a professional tour guide. But it's okay. Second best in Israel out of thousands of tour guides. No. You'll be well taken care of. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Okay. Um, but I mean, these things are just, uh, would have been, there's no way that you could have envisioned. So there are two Hayo Veil uh, videos, and they're uh, are you tired videos of number 17 and 18. Okay, let's do that. Where it'll, it, it, it just illustrates how far we've come and, and how far we really we can go together. So can we uh, throw up, uh, no, not throw up, put on... Number 17 and 18? Yeah, let's watch that. Does the Bible ever get old? Does it seem like we're always talking about how picking grapes in Israel is a direct fulfillment of prophecy? Well, here's another question for you. How could 200 Christian Zionists from the United States, Canada, Sweden, Colombia, Latvia, and even Bulgaria come to the most hotly contested piece of real estate in the entire world to do just one thing, and that's to pick grapes? Is this a coincidence or maybe a nice humanitarian volunteer trip? Or could it be something more? Jeremiah Tubbs, I'm from Tacoa, Georgia. My name is Richard Crombie from Vancouver, Canada. Hi, my name is Evan Machulis and I'm from Orlando, Florida. I'm Christopher Carroll from San Antonio, Texas. My name is Chris Kramer and I'm from uh, Texas. Matilda from Stockholm, Sweden. My name is Carolyn Harrell and uh, I'm from Florida. My name is Baiva and I'm from Latvia. I'm Raivita from Latvia. My name is Val Boyanov. I was born and living in Bulgaria. Now I'm living in United Arab Emirates. Sherelle from Kansas City, Missouri. My name is Victor. I'm from Colombia. I'm very happy to be here collecting uvas, sharing with you. Do you see this cluster of grapes? When the 12 spies returned back to the people of Israel in the desert, they were carrying a huge cluster of grapes from this very area that I'm standing in this morning. Ten of the spies chose to focus on the negativity of the land, but two of them, Joshua and Caleb, brought a message that the land was good. Thousands of years later, there are Christian Zionist volunteers harvesting grapes in the Judean hills this morning in the very same place that that first cluster of grapes came from. In three weeks' time, these people will be returning back to the nations with an unforgettable experience. And their message to the rest of the world will be that the land is good. Okay, we'll go for it. 
We're going to go for number 18 now? Let's do number 18. The nations are coming to harvest the land. By the way, 18 is fine. Je m'appelle Jean-Louis. Je viens de France. Mijn naam is Martin Hekström. Ook jij van Sverige. Ik ben Alice Brokkelkamp. En ik kom uit Oldebroek in Nederland. Vi vaknade klockan fem i morse och vi åt frukost. Och klockan sex så satt vi oss i bussen och åkte till Chilo för att skörda vindruvor. Nu såg vi också matin i Chilo, dans les vignes, för att vandange en vin blanc, en vin excellent. På bussresan till vingården så åkte vi faktiskt förbi stället där tempet stod i 369 år och det är ganska mäktigt. Ja, det är echt geweldig om hier te zijn, om gewoon lekker buiten te zijn, in de natuur bezig te zijn. Dat is iets wat ik altijd al ja ook gedaan heb, maar ook 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 graag doe en en dat het gewoon ja bij Gods plan hoort. Dat vind ik gewoon echt. Ik, ik wist dat totaal niet. Voor mij is het belangrijk om te participeren hier aan de redemptie van Israël. Dat mag hier gewoon zijn, gewoon niks zweverig. Het is gewoon doen wat er in zijn woord staat. En dat is, uh... ja, man kan zich werkelijk koppelen aan landet. Waar Abraham en alle andere andere voorvader, Isaac en Jacob voorvaders. Ja, dit is zijn land. Dat, dat... Ik realiseerde het me nooit zo, maar het is echt zijn, zijn land. En, en hij houdt van dit land. Voor Sion's wil ik niet te tiga. Om Sion's wil zal ik niet zwijgen. Voor de mond van Sion, ik ne me tairai pas. All right. You know, uh, <clears throat> he has some more videos. I'm pretty sure we're going to be able to get to those Saturday. And just in, in closing, you know, just to set the record straight so we all can come to an agreement. So what do you feel is the purpose of building relationships between Jews and Christians. What's the real purpose? What can we say, this is, this is what we're going to do, this is how we're going to do it, and have a common goal? What would be that purpose? My dream is, like I said, this, what you just saw, would be unthinkable 10 years ago. And it's happening in a Orthodox Jewish community and they are the most likely group of people to turn their backs and say, Christians, get out. We don't want you. God has a different plan. Basically, I'm interested in being a part of God's plan. I think it's amazing, you know. And, um, you know, Tommy Waller and I always have a joke, and you mentioned this earlier. I say, oh, Tommy, stop doing that. You're provoking me to jealousy. And the truth is, you call it provoking to jealousy, you know what I say? I say it's provoking to relationship. Um, and the truth of the matter is, is I, I want those hills filled not with two or three hundred people. I want them filled with millions of people. You know, 
and, and I really want to challenge all of you because we're at a place now where we have to have the conversation. We have to study Ephraim and Judah because Ephraim is doubly fruitful. It means he'll become what? A multitude of nations. So now all of a sudden, all of the world, non-Jews are wanting to do the Torah. It's written on their mind and their heart. So what are we trying to do? We're trying to come together as a community, Beit Tehillah, and to accomplish what's already been foretold through the prophets. So Eliezer has a testimony. You have a testimony. In closing, tell them about your dream that you had. You had it twice. But he just flashed me a three. Does that mean three minutes, three hours, or three days? I think it means uh, three pieces of pizza. No, I'm just kidding. I told you, I, you know, even though the sanctuary, it can't handle any of I that pizza. I got you. When are we going? One day this week. Um, I had a dream. I've had a dream several times. I had a number of dreams, actually. And the dream that I have had several times is that Israel, all the people that live in the community settlements, what you hear about as the illegal settlements in the news, um, that, uh, that we were being evacuated and the army uh, was coming together with the police to evacuate us from our homes. We had our furniture in front of our homes. We were all crying, how can this happen? We love this land, we've been here for a couple decades. This can't be happening. Gaza was Gaza, but this can't happen where we're living. And the army comes in with big trucks to load up all the furniture and everything. And just as that's about to start happening, all of a sudden we hear this rumble coming from the mountains. And over the mountains, in pouring by the thousands, the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, on foot are Christian Zionists. <laughs> that have come into our communities and they are so numerous they're standing in front of us protecting us and finally Prime Minister Netanyahu I'm sorry I'm taking three hours Prime Minister Netanyahu gets on the television and says we have so much support and that Israel's Christian uh, Zionist friends around the world have given me the support that I now know that I'm telling our army and our police forces that were there to evacuate you, stand down and get out. Wow. Go back to your homes. You're there forever because we got you. Amen. And I've had that dream Maybe seven or eight times. So, um, yeah, that's in the Bible. A number no man can count. And well, Abraham. here's here's the thing, really, that is I think is amazing, is that here's I have learned. You know, Judah's come home, and the prophecy is Judah will be restored to Israel, and then God will restore the lost of Israel. Okay. Amen. Amen. Oh, so, you know, that was two hours that went by really quickly. 
one. Yes, we know we're number one. This congregation is number one. Um, do, we have, do we have time? Can we show Ellen's video? Absolutely. Let's do it. Yeah, okay. Close the doors. If you have your Chain children, the doors. go get your children. <laughs> um, what? No, I'm just telling you if they have children over there, they can go get them. Bring them over here. But yeah, we can show Ellen's video. Absolutely. Okay. And we'll no, step down here. Okay. Nobody works here, right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's watch Ellen's video. It is called Ellen Artwork Video Trimmed. People are often interested in our life and lifestyle and how scriptures and these pictures connect to us today. I use the cycle of the year to help explain. Here's parting of the Red Sea, which reminds us of Passover and how we sit telling and retelling the story of the Exodus. This creation evolved by writing the entire book of Exodus. We're constantly connected to our past, feeling as though we were there by reliving and retelling the story every year, making it real for today. As you can see, I love what I do. I love living in Israel. Song of Solomon is the first of all of these microcalligraphy artworks that I created. It expresses God's love for his people. Song of Solomon is actually read on the Shabbat that falls during Passover. After Passover, we celebrate a holiday for modern day Israel, Yom Ha'atzma'ut, Israel's Independence Day. Here we have the design that combines the flag of Israel today with the outline of the map of today's Israel. It's created using the words of the Israeli national anthem, Hatikva, the hope. The focus of this image and the anthem is the land of Zion. Jerusalem is highlighted in the center with the Star of David created using the ancient walls of Jerusalem instead of the standard blue star. I wrote Hatikva, the Israeli national anthem, 156 times because the letters of the word Zion, Zion, break down letter by letter and equal the number 156. After celebrating Yom Ha'atzma'ut, we continue to the next holiday, Shavuot, or Pentecost. This piece is Tree of Life. Its design is created using the entire Book of Ruth. The flowers and the grass are the Book of Ruth, reaching King David here at the bottom of the tree under and supporting her roots. Here's an opportunity to explain the difference between my microcalligraphy artwork and other artists' micrography, who execute a watercolor painting of Ruth, cutting sheaves of wheat, the piece an entire watercolor painting. But where's the writing? Only Ruth's braid contains text, written in black ink. Perhaps the text continues in the border as well. A beautiful picture, but only a small portion with text. Here, the entire text is the composition, and the composition is the text. The tree trunk is filled with the words sung as the Torah scrolls are returned to the ark after the week's portion is read. She's a tree of life to those who hold on to her, and her supporters are joyous and given peace. Encircling the entire tree is the blessing of Sarah, Rachel, Rebecca, and Leah that continues with the beautiful blessing for the entire family. Woman of Valor, the words of Proverbs 31, 10 through 31, create these biblical women. 
We start with the matriarch Sarah. Miriam is next to her, depicted singing praise to God after crossing through the parted Red Sea, the Passover story. After Passover, we fast approach the holiday of Shavuot, during which the Book of Ruth is read in the synagogue Shavuot morning. Here is Ruth gathering sheaves of wheat. Continuing is Queen Esther. The story of Purim shines through her, a story of redemption. Purim is celebrated a few weeks before Passover. Then there's the prophetess Devorah, the fairest of judges and guiding light for all of us throughout history. May these women of valor bring a lifetime of continuing inspiration to each of us. It's written 30 times, 12 plus 18. 12, the aged girl begins her journey to become a woman of valor in her own right. Plus life, chai, 18. If you've been to Jerusalem, you've seen the beauty of what has been built or rebuilt. But you know that the wall, the Kotel, is what remains after the destruction of the temple 2,000 years ago on the 9th of Av, the Jewish date that falls in July or August. 70 names of Jerusalem, Yerushalayim, written in gold, hovers over the ancient western wall. Jerusalem has 70 different unique spiritual names. I wrote these names in glowing gold microcalligraphy to create the word Jerusalem here. May Jerusalem of gold be completely rebuilt soon in our days. The original of this design is actually an embroidered satchel that I made for our second son-in-law's prayer shawl, then created this artwork from it. Jerusalem Star of David, Psalms 122. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, Psalms 126, verses from Zechariah and Isaiah and more. Isaiah 62, 1. I've set watchmen upon the walls of Jerusalem. Take no rest until he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. This intricate piece depicts the rebuilt temple in the heart of the picture. Jerusalem, forever the center of the world, the center of our hearts. As you know, the Jewish year is a cycle. We've shared the holidays, starting here with Passover, reaching the saddest date, the ninth of Av, and the destruction of the temples. But then our attention turns again to joy and new beginnings, a new year, Rosh Hashanah, that will, God willing, bring us many blessings. Verses from the deep, heartfelt prayers recited on Rosh Hashanah, the new year, create these pomegranates. I inscribe these blessings 17 times. May you merit the fulfillment of the 18th time, the number that signifies life, this and every new year. We begin in Shabbat and every holiday with candle lighting. These graceful Shabbat candles are created with Proverbs 31, 10 through 31, woman of valor. The flames are created using the beautiful blessing for the physical and spiritual health of the family. The halos of light surrounding the flames are the blessings for the children. The halo on the right is the blessing of Ephraim and Manasseh for sons. The left halo, the daughter's blessing of Sarah, Rachel, Rebecca, and Leah. I'm so blessed to bestow these blessings on our children and grandchildren every week. Down the center flows the blessing recited while lighting the Shabbat candles. I mentioned how blessed we feel to live in our home in Israel. 
This piece, Birkata Bait, blessing of the home, is a beautiful view from our dining room window. This is what I see each day as I say my prayers standing at this window facing the direction of Jerusalem. I ask myself, what can I do with this beautiful view? This is it. They dwelt in safety, each man under his vine and under his fig tree, and they built houses and inhabit them, and they planted vineyards and eat the fruit of them. And my chosen ones shall long enjoy the work of their hands, for they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord, and their offspring with them. May your families and your homes be so blessed. The strong and proud eagle. Isaiah 40, comfort, comfort my people. The letters of the word love, ahava, equal the number 13. This entire chapter is written 13 times to create these cliffs and valleys. 13, ahava, God's love for his people. The last verse of the chapter on wings of eagles is written 208 times, creating the eagle. 208 is also divisible by 13, but leaves a remainder of three. The number three in Judaism represents strength, permanence, and that this shall come to pass, amen, which in Hebrew also has three letters. Ezekiel 36, the shofar is blowing the room, cities are rebuilt, the fields tilled and sown, the prophecy is coming to life as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's spirits watch over us written 50 times, reminding us of the Jubilee year. Looking like an ancient mosaic found in archaeological digs, Jacob's blessing to Judah creates Lion of Judah. The blessing from Genesis is written 100 times. A hundred is a number that represents power. How appropriate for Judah, the future king. There are specific designated blessings for before and after eating food. The blessing after eating bread is the longest. This composition was created using the entire grace after meals recited after eating bread. Originally, this was designed for the cover of the booklets placed on the tables at our oldest daughter's wedding. The tomb of the patriarchs, oh, the text is the story of the Machpelah cave. It's purchased by Abraham and the burial of the beloved matriarch Sarah, written here in order to create this powerful image six times. An inscription for each one of our six matriarchs and patriarchs buried here. If you've been to Hebron, you are seeing and walking on living biblical history, just as the artwork represents. This piece is a memorial to all those throughout history who have suffered through the hands of our ever-present enemies. It is specifically for three children, our neighbors, who lost their lives in a terrorist attack in our neighborhood on a Sunday night, two weeks before Purim, February 2002. Throughout the centuries, Jews have prayed for the day when we will return to Israel from all four corners of the earth, when the light of redemption will be upon us. We see the passages from Isaiah, passages that speak of comfort and the day of redemption, forming the people dancing and streaming towards Jerusalem rebuilt, the temple rebuilt. We see the twinkling stars in the sky, reminding us of the blessing that 
day will come when we will be as many as the stars in the sky. All these passages bring me comfort and peace of mind in difficult times. Psalms 18. King David wrote Psalms 18, Chai, life, to thank God for teaching him to be victorious in battle. It's a song of deliverance. Just as David rose up successfully against his enemies, this tank represents our present struggle against those who want to destroy us. Psalms 18, 18, which means life, is written three times, which again is a number that represents strength and guidance to successfully fight our enemies. May we always continue to be guided and delivered safely from the battle against those who are determined to destroy us. Blessing Israel. I will bless them that bless you, and in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. This design is of the famous Israeli cactus, the sabra, in beautiful bloom, prickly and tough on the outside, sweet on the inside, just like Israelis are known to be. This is actually the only piece designed with both Hebrew and English. The almond tree, Jeremiah 1, 11 through 12. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, What do you see, Jeremiah? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. And the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I hasten my word to accomplish it. As the verses express, Jeremiah saw the branch of an almond tree bear with no bloom, symbolizing the fact that the prophecy God shared with Jeremiah would come to fruition quickly. The destruction of the temple if God's word was not heeded, but also rebuilding in the future. The almond branch in bloom represents the continuation of God's promise and prophecy. When the Jewish nation, Am Yisrael, will bloom, returning from all four corners of the earth to the rebuilt temple and ruined cities rebuilt. May we enjoy the beauty of the blooming almond tree as well as the blooming of the fulfilled prophecies soon in our days. Amen. Dancing for joy, the words from Purim read from the scroll of Esther. Dance across the page, along with these carefree figures representing the joy and fun experienced on this wondrous holiday. This brings the holiday cycle we began full circle, as Purim is one month before Passover. My very first paper cut, surrounded by the ancient fortified walls and magnificent gateways into the city of Jerusalem, the majestic third temple rises. The Ten Commandments, hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Verses depicting the land, the Eretz, Zvat, Chalav, Dvash, the land flowing with milk and honey, Isaiah 52, awake, awake, put on your strength, Zion, he has redeemed Jerusalem, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Psalms 122, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, Isaiah 66, the heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool, what house could you build for me? And it shall be that the new moon to new moon and from Shabbat to Shabbat, all flesh shall come to bow down before me. These are part of the microcalligraphy text 
cut into the delicate thin lines of the filigree weave of stars. My newest piece, the second paper cut, creation. Each day, each heart vibrantly carries us to the next, expressing its individual creation and existence with Theate's biblical text, creating the heart's design. Each heart flows from one to the next, bringing us full circle as the cycle of the weeks and seasons evolve. Each week, Shabbat glows golden, full of blessings, centering each of us as we celebrate the gifts God has bestowed on us within the world and universe he created. Now for some fun. Noah. The building of Noah's Ark and the animals brought on board create these colorful pieces. We all know that the animals were brought on board to weigh two, one male, one female, but it was different for the animals designated as kosher. Seven males, seven female of each of these animals were brought on board. Therefore, the scriptural text is written seven times. I say a prayer first thing in the morning after waking. Moda ani, I give thanks. Thankful for the return of my soul to my body. Many parents recite this short prayer of thanks for their small children each morning, and they recite it with them, as I did with our children, and they now do with theirs. Each night before going to sleep, I say the Shema, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. While reciting the first line, traditionally one covers one's eyes in order to concentrate. As you can see here, all the animals are covering their eyes, except for the hippo, who's already sound asleep. Here we have the entire world is a very narrow bridge. The important thing is never to fear. Here you see all the different animals playing together, the giraffe and the elephant creating an amusing bridge. So much to learn from these words and so much to teach our children and each other. The entire book of Jonah read on Yom Kippur is written in all forms of sea creatures, swimming and floating along with Jonah in the, welly, in the belly of this frolicking whale, written three times for the three days and three nights Jonah spent having a whale of a time. And I've had a whale of a time sharing all of this with you. Many of, may any of these pictorial scriptures that you hang on your wall inspire and strengthen you for years to come so that you don't have to remember everything I've said. With any purchase you make, you receive a full description, more detail than what I've shared with, he, with you here today. Thank you so much and blessings to you. Wow, micro calligraphy. I'm gonna have my own little table off to the side. If you would like to see some of my artwork, it's called Stick People. How many of you love stick people? They're thin and they're in. You know, we are living in exciting times. 